This is the Satanic Panic, a podcast where we discuss the events and cultural shifts that morphed into a modern-day witch hunt. Previously, we've discussed an array of social factors that led to the mass hysteria known as the Satanic Panic. Today, we're diving into that hysteria, covering the court cases that sent the panic into full swing. We're your hosts, Hannah and Cameron, and listener discretion is advised. My next guest was used also in worshiping the devil. Satanism, the seduction of America's youth. The remains of mutilated I was so brainwashed. Six, the sign of the devil. The church of Satan. In the devil's name. The power with devil worship and satanic beliefs. Babies that were Babies sacrificed. Babies would be sacrificed. Six dogs. And now, the first family of Satanism. All right, we will start off with a probably the biggest case, wouldn't you say? Yeah, this is definitely the one that I think both kickstarted and ended the satanic panic. Yeah, yeah, the McMartin preschool case. We've already talked about the Kellers. Fran and Dan Keller and were Dan, some preschool owners who were arrested on allegations of abuse and satanic ritual and all this good stuff mm-hmm. that never flying the children to Mexico for the day to <laughs> use them as sexual slaves but then being home in time for naps and snacks. (laughs) Yeah, well, as you do. So this one is the McMartin Preschool. It's a super high-profile case in Manhattan Beach, California. First, in 1983, a woman named Judy Johnson and her son, Billy. Very 80s names right there. They played baseball and smoked cigarettes every day. Wait until we get a little further in with all the other names. names. It's the most 80s sounding daycare I've ever heard in my life. But it was in Manhattan Beach, California, right by the airport, right above Redondo Beach. Very well populated area, not the boonies. Mm -mm. You think of when you hear this case, you think it's like in the middle of Kentucky in the woods, but it is not. It is in a very very prominent area probably pretty wealthy too i mean i don't know about the specific people going to the daycare but la is you're not i mean there's wealth and poor but not cheap to live on the beach yeah exactly and it was on the beach it's this tiny little shack when you see it you're like oh who would send their kids there but it was the 80s parents work you got to do what you got to do so judy johnson first came forward and said that her son had been sodomized by not only somebody from the daycare but also her estranged husband who had left her oh i don't know what she was doing with little billy but he claimed that it hurt when he went to the bathroom oh and she how old was he uh preschool age so three four three something like that he was able to talk obviously but she claimed that he had been sodomized because she looked at his area. Mm-hmm. So she went all up in an up- uproar and claimed that Raymond Buckley, who was the grandson of the owner. Bucky, which is worse oh, than Buckley. Did I say Buckley? Yeah. yeah Buckley Bucky. sounds like a high end. <laughs> I'm the Buckley, no, no, but no. Bucky is like. They're not high end. This is Ray Bucky. Ray Bucky. <laughs> and Ray Bucky was the grandson of the school founder. Her name was Virginia McMartin. And her daughter was Peggy McMartin Bucky, who was the school administrator. So they all worked for the McMartin. So we've got Virginia, Peggy, and Ray (laughs) working there. The McMartin Buckleys. Bucky's. 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 
Sorry, I'm trying to class them up. Something's fucky. Just remember that. (laughs) Something's a fuck. Something's fucky with the (laughs) butt. So she was claiming that her son had painful bowel movements, and she claimed that he had been abused, and she said that he had told her this. Which is problematic. Which is problematic, but there's no evidence that he ever actually said that. A lot of people think she just went there on her own. Oh. Then she said... He had told her that the people at the daycare had also been having sex with animals. Oh. And claimed that Ray Bucky had been flying through the air and having anal sex with goats. This all sounds on track. During when all the kids were there. Oh. Flying through the air. He was a flying animal. Legitimate. Rapist. Ray Bucky was, of course, questioned by the police, but nothing was ever done because there was no evidence. They couldn't do anything. They could not arrest him. But that is really when things take off. really take off. This is just crazy. This is insane. And the, what the police did, I have no idea what they were thinking. The police sent out a letter, they call it a form letter, to 200 parents of students, current students and previous students of the McMartin Preschool, to tell them that Ray Bucky was under investigation for child abuse and molestation. This letter is crazy. It's just so stupid. Yeah, dangerous. It's like, what did you think was going to happen if you sent out a letter to 200 200 parents of small children who already probably feel guilty about dropping Mm -hmm. their kids off at this daycare every day and saying that they're being, being abused? They didn't use ritualistic yet. We get there. But they're being sexually abused and touched. And let me just read the very beginning of the letter. Dear parents... This department is conducting a criminal investigation involving child molestation. Ray Bucky, an employee of the Virginia McMartin Preschool, was arrested September 7th of 1983 by the department. Please question your child to see if he or she has been a witness to any crime or if he or she has been a victim. It indicates that possible criminal acts include, and now there's a list, oral sex, fondling of genitals, buttocks or chest, and information from your child regarding having ever observed Ray Bucky to leave a classroom alone with the child during any nap period, or if they observed Ray Bucky tie up any children is very important. It says that. Very important. That's, I mean, it's just leading the witness at that point. Mm -hmm. A bunch of children, toddlers. And to send that to parents. I would freak out. Yeah, of course. Yeah. If you got a letter said the one of the heads of the daycare that you send your child is, is arrested. arrested for raping and tying up kids during nap time, you're going to freak out. I would be like shaking my kid. Tell me what yeah. happened. Tell me what happened. He yeah. touched you. Like, so, of course, I, that's, I would be... that's what they did. Yeah. It's so irresponsible. That's the word I was trying to find earlier is irresponsible. Yeah. They were trying to respond to it and they just I don't know whose original idea that was, but it is not, not smart. Mm-mm. Of course, the parents go up in an uproar everybody's freaking out and accusing everything anything their kid says they're taking it straight to the police and then the police do an interview with judy but well and judy she did have already a, a history of mental illness at she this did. point they interviewed her and she told them things that billy had told her supposedly here's a couple little excerpts this was february 15th of 1984 she said billy describes having communion in a church a prayer similar to the sound of the lord's prayer was recited a goat climbed up higher and higher and higher then a bad man threw it down the stairs it woke up later 
Ray poked Peggy at the altar, which I'm assuming means sex. She said that he said, lots of candles. They were black candles. Ray picked up his right pointer finger. It bled. Ray put it in the goat's anus. She loves anuses. Nobody has clothes on under their robes. Billy had a robe on too. They had a band-aid on his finger. So it just goes on and on. Mm -hmm. It's like pages and pages. Why would you stick your bloody finger up a goat's anus? That seems like disease central. In the name of Satan. (laughs) But here's the kicker. She was later diagnosed with paranoid schizophrenia. And she already had had a history of mental illness. And she was actually found dead in her home from complications of alcoholism before the preliminary hearings had even begun. That was in 87, right? Yeah. That she was found dead. So the accusation was 83, and the initial... Investigation was 84. And then And then she died. Died by 87. Before the it even had started the actual... Trial. Trial. Mm-hmm. She was dead. Well, you'd think that the moment that she was diagnosed with paranoid schizophrenia, someone in the court system would have been like, wait a minute, there's something not right here. Mm-hmm. I don't understand how that can happen. And then they just proceed like it's totally normal. Yeah. Like... Ray Bucky's flying through the air. You know what? If there's just regular sexual molestation accusations, that's disgusting and it needs to be investigated. And it happens. Yeah. But when it turns into these outlandish, like, do you guys really believe people are flying through the air? Mm -hmm. I don't understand how like a... Human. Human (laughs) on a jury is listening to this and not just rolling their eyes. Yeah. I don't know. Well, here's when we'll go back to probably the main source of the investigation the big problem after the letter the government hires an agency called cii which is the children's institute international incorporated and they are an la-based abuse therapy clinic and they're run by a woman named key mcfarlane Mm. and it's super problematic they go in full force with all their therapists and the People on the board, they have they bring in doctors to do medical exams. So they're just looking for anything. And they interview over 100 people, 100 children, on camera, and they speculate about the supposed events. What was that thing that we were watching? They actually had transcripts from some of the interviews mm-hmm. and how leading it is. It's yeah. insane. Initially, most of the children were being brought in and were denying. I I say most, but I think that's all. All the children were initially brought in were denying, no, I wasn't naked, no, I wasn't raped, no, I wasn't this, no, I wasn't that. And she, who was dressed like a clown in some of them, (laughs) according to my resources. That's creepy as hell. (laughs) Soon, the children that had initially denied any abuse... They suddenly remembered all of this stuff. And it was from leading lines such as, you're not being a very bright boy. Your friends have come in and told us they were touched. Don't you want to be as smart as them? What the hell? What the hell kind (laughs) of investigation is that? And then the kids are like, oh, yeah, I guess I do remember. They were also much like the adults held for like hours. Mm -hmm. You know, the kids just wanted to leave. Mm -hmm. They were little. They didn't understand. They would say, no, no, no finally realized my only way out of this room is if I agree. That journalist who's investigating this now, this was a current interview, he brought out a bunch of actual transcripts from the interviews, and they would ask a question like, did Ray touch your butt? And it literally says, answer, no. But when your friends were at nap time, did he touch your butt? 
And they're like, no. And then she's like, but did he take you into the other room and touch your butt? And they're like, uh, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> just let me go, lady. Yeah, maybe. It's, they just repeat the same question over and over until they say yes. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. And then what was the woman's name? Did you say Key? Key. Key McFarlane. She later testified before Congress that she believed that a network of child predators were using daycare centers as a cover for child pornography. So she already had this belief Mm -hmm. that this was happening, and it was just the confirmation bias. She was like, wanted to see it. Here she got Judy Johnson saying, my son has been sodomized, Mm -hmm. and then she just runs with it. So by spring of 1984, the CII claimed that 360 children had been abused. They then went on to perform medical examinations of those children, and they took photos of anything that they saw. And the girls, they were taking photos of their vaginas, and they were taking photos of little bitty scars that they think were tissue that had had healed over the time, and they were claiming that that was rape, and that is proof. But you don't know. It's all speculation. They have no clue. And when the kids are... Finally, like, I guess, it's like, okay, then it is. Yeah. It is. They were raped. Mm -hmm. They just went there. So they were also used extremely suggestive interviews with anatomically correct dolls. So they were using puppets to conduct the interviews with the kids, like you see in movies when they're like, where did he touch you? Here. They were using anatomically correct puppets and videotaping it. And you can watch a lot of these tapes online one of the ones that we saw that was from that same transcript one we had been talking about was this kid just literally lays a doll on top of another doll mm-hmm. and she's like oh right mm-hmm. like there it is yeah and now we're calling this false memory syndrome which we've talked about a lot mm-hmm. and they say that these the way that they were interviewing led to false memory syndrome yeah because they were coerced and they actually put in put the name false memory syndrome on it Part of that CII, what is that, Child Children International Children's, Institute? Yeah. Institute International. There was an influential paper published in 1983 by someone named Dr. Roland Summit, who has since noted how harmful this paper was. And it was called, it was an article about the child sexual abuse accommodation syndrome. Oof, it's a mouthful. <laughs> This paper, generally the information in it is something that you're like, yeah, yeah, totally. That's what all of this is. You can get behind like stopping child abuse in a daycare, of course. Yeah, no, you'd have to be insane <laughs> to be like, mm, that doesn't sound great. This this paper that he published, it was about how little adults listened to children when they were being abused. One of the key lines that I took from this paper is, Recognition of sexual molestation in a child is entirely dependent on the individual's inherent willingness to entertain the possibility that the condition may exist. So going back to our key lady, she was willing to entertain the possibility that the condition may exist. And so Mm. she started seeing it everywhere. Yeah. So Dr. Roland Summit's article, the Child Sexual Abuse Accommodation Syndrome article, God, he lists, I know. Shorten that goddamn name. The shortened version is C-S-A-A-S, which, which is, is still just hard as hard. to say. <laughs> <laughs> 
So he lists five reasons or steps, if you will, that contribute to CSAAS. Secrecy, helplessness, entrapment and accommodation, delayed disclosure, and retraction. So those are things that kids do. Those are the those are the feelings and the way that I don't. It's it's kind of hard to explain because it's not really a syndrome. He says it's not really a syndrome. It's not a law. It's Even not though an he act. calls it a syndrome. It's really just like this is what's happening. So these are five things that happen. I guess I really like what he has to say. He says an image persists of nubile adolescents playing dangerous games out of their burgeoning sexual fascination. Okay. What everybody does not know and would not want to know is the vast majority of investigated accusations prove valid, and most of the young people were less than eight years old at the time. But this is pre-panic, and so if a child is coming to you and saying, I was molested, they probably were. Mm-hmm. Now, if you're going to your child and being like, right. how did he touch your butthole, mm-hmm. that's a different case. Yeah. So that's where I feel like the confusion happens. He also says that acceptance and validation are crucial to the psychological survival of the victim, which, yeah, yeah. if I was being molested, I would really want my mom to believe me yeah. and to validate and, me. And if they didn't believe you, it's that whole cycle. It's heartbreaking. Of, you know, that's going to fuck them up. Part of it was a retraction. He says that whenever there was a case of child abuse happening, that they would basically be guilted into retracting it because they know that they're tearing their family apart. You're tearing us apart, Lisa. But like the, the room. problem, <laughs> the problem was, was that this paper ended up convincing many therapists that if a child denies anything had happened to him or her, mm-hmm. they are hiding the truth. So that's like the key. So if they do or they don't. You're damned. Okay. That yeah. makes no sense. Why no. would you write that down? Well, it was not what he was intending, but it was the point that people left with. Yeah. Believe the children no matter what. No if matter what. If they deny it, they were raped. If they Don't. say they were raped, they, they were, were raped. They were just raped. All the children were raped. That's it's like so stupid. The Hunt, if you guys haven't seen The Hunt with Oof. Mads Mikkelsen, basically this. Speaking of rivers and oceans. <laughs> oh, God. Crying. Cringe is just cringe just thinking about it. Mads Mickelson is kind of sexy, though. He's so sexy. I like him as a serial killer. And he's like kind of gross and ugly, but like sexy at the same time. I don't think time. he's gross and ugly. I feel like he's a more chiseled Viggo Mortensen. Viggo Mortensen's hot, too. I <laughs> only recently have liked Viggo Mortensen. Hmm. I liked him in, um, what was the one with the children? The um, Hunt. <laughs> <laughs> No, Captain Fantastic. That's what I was thinking. Oh. That was a great movie. Yeah, Captain Marvel. What? <laughs> <laughs> you saw Captain Fantastic. I did. Yeah, it was good. It was not fantastic. It was good. So you can see how, like we've said so many times, this is great stuff. It's just in the wrong hands, the wrong angle, pushed too hard. Well-intentioned, but caused a lot of problems. Mm-hmm guess we can bounce back to the McMartin trials. We cover the CII. They were completing their investigation. It was about to go to court, but they came forward with satanic allegations. It started as just sexual, and then Billy moved on to flying and goats, and then we got into a weird territory. And by Billy, we mean Judy. Well, yeah. Judy. I mean, Judy is the mouthpiece. Yes. Judy was saying that Billy was saying. Mm-hmm. I wrote a little list of satanic allegations that apparently were happening. So they 
were flying, like we covered. There were a maze of tunnels underneath the preschool, which they later went and dug up underneath the preschool. There are remnants of an old building, little crawl spaces, but there are no tunnels connecting it to other buildings that the kids were claiming that they would crawl through the tunnels into the church. Oh, and, so this is how they were getting around yeah, without being without seen being on the seen. surface. These were what the CII was saying that the kids told them. That makes sense. And there were altars everywhere. They were having sex with animals and goats, goat people. and Goat people? Not well, goats? Yeah, like people with, well, that started with people wearing. Oh, like the classic wearing, satanic. Yeah, goat I see. heads. Oh, uh, yeah. You know. Yeah. They were seeing the devil. They claimed that they had traveled through hot air balloon Ooh. off of the roof. That sounds fun. Yeah. Sounds like a wishful thought. Do you know how big hot air balloons are? <laughs> really? They ain't small. Yeah. Nobody did. Nobody saw it. And especially, I mean, I'm still wowed when I see an air balloon now, especially in the 80s. They're huge. Yeah. Was it Wonder Woman's hot air balloon? It was invisible. <laughs> <laughs> and at one point, they held up these photos that the kids were supposed to pick out the alligate the the people who had been there satanically ritually like in all of their stuff and they held up a picture of Chuck Norris and he was supposedly there a few by a f- told from a few children that they pointed out Chuck Norris as being one of the people. No way. Yeah. And the CII just they went with like, it? Mm, okay. Chuck Norris. <laughs> wow. Well, these that were just in their findings. Just- I don't know. I don't know at what point they believe and what they don't. Who knows? They claim to have been flushed down the toilets into different areas. They would be flushed. They they would put the kids in the toilet, flush it, and then they'd end up in another place. So they were like traveling through toilets. Very Harry Potter. Yeah, or train spotting is what I keep thinking of. Oh yeah. When he goes in. Or Futurama. Oh yeah. Yeah. Their tubes of travel. And they had orgies in car washes so those were all the sounds like a terrible place for an know, orgy you'd get all wet and <laughs> soapy Ugh, no. Ooh, car like wash. Being waterboarded <laughs> <laughs> so yeah those were some of the things that the cii came forward about the the satanic aspect of the abuse and they brought that into the court of law and people treated them seriously mm-hmm they said these things are happening and people were like, oh, yep, sounds plausible. But it was a huge downfall because they did decide to show some of the tapes of the kids confessing oh. to in the court to the jury and the jury was like, nah. Oh, good. They were like, no, 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 no. This, There's no way this could have happened. And they were saying how they, would, they were leading the kids to say these things. One of the things that they used to get the kids to talk is they would tell them, Imagine that you were in a situation where you were being told at an altar to do this. Like, what would that be like? What? They were told to play make-believe in order to get their true intentions out. That's what the CII thought. So when the kids would be like, well, and then a goat man was on the ceiling and the slip and slide, you know, it was just the most ridiculous stuff. Boggles my mind. And they're like, well, that's real. So, we all went to court. This is what happened. The McMartin staff was charged with 321 counts of child abuse involving 48 different children. 
So the preliminary hearings alone lasted 20 months. That's almost two years of just the preliminary hearings before the trial actually even begun. They brought up child witnesses. Nobody could keep it straight because the kids kept saying different things. It was completely inconsistent. Michelle Smith and Lawrence Pazder. Who's that, Hannah? Michelle Smith from Michelle Remembers and her therapist husband, Dr. Mm-hmm. Pazder. We had talked about Michelle Remembers in, in depth. Mm-hmm. They actually were brought in no way. to counsel the parents of the children. No who, way. Yeah. And they think that that really swayed what the children said on the stand. Yeah. Because they were listening to Michelle talk. And then they would get up on the stand and repeat some of the stuff that she claimed to have happened to her. Wow. So it was all just a jumbly mess. But in 1986, the district attorney called evidence incredible and weak and dropped all charges except for mother and son. It was Ray Bucky and his administrative mom. That was Peggy. Peggy McMartin Bucky. They were not dropped. So all the other ones were... They were held still. Oh. Which I guess they had more allegations towards the others. Because they were the original Mm -hmm. accused people. Do you know what year that was that the rest was dropped? 1986. 86. Oh, Mm -hmm. and so then the ones, the proceeding was just against Peggy and Ray. Mm -hmm. And then the final ones, it kept going. And then in 1990, which three, four years later, Peggy was acquitted on all counts. And that's seven years after the initial. Mm hmm accusation yep she was acquitted so she was let go completely and then ray was cleared of 52 of the 65 counts of child abuse so i don't know what those remaining ones were maybe they just couldn't prove it prove it right or wrong so they just dropped it dropped it but there was still seven left there were yeah 52 of 65 so math wise whatever that is 13 (laughs) 13 so was he, did he go to jail? He was. He was freed on bail after that because how many were dropped? He was eligible for, for bail. So he was freed on bail after spending five years in jail. No way. Yeah. So he was imprisoned for five years for something that was completely made up. I thought that their outcome was a little happier than that. It's happy. I mean, he got out. Everybody got out. I don't think I think he was the only one that spent a lot of time in jail. Mm-hmm. His mom may have spent initial. a little bit, but yeah. she was he was when they initially did it. He, she was able to post bail like years before, but he was not allowed bail. Oh, that's so he was sad. denied, so he had to stay because he was the one that was originally they pointed the finger at. Yeah, so total sum up of the trial the trial lasted seven years and it cost 15 million dollars at the time it was the longest and most expensive case in the history of the united states that all for goat fucking preschool (laughs) goat fucking preschool it's insane like shouldn't they have been spending that on some more pressing cases and, I mean, nothing came of it. No, there was zero conviction. And it really goes to show just how much the court... I mean, $15 million is a lot to spend on that. And I feel like it goes to show how much the court was presented with, this isn't true, this isn't true, this isn't true. And they just, like, turned a blind eye almost. Mm-hmm. I have a great example of that from the Paul Ingram case, which we talked about in our very first episode. Paul Ingram was the one whose daughters accused him 
and much of the rest of the police force. It was the case that we said kind of started us on this trail. Mm-hmm. And in that police investigation, they self they self self investigated. Yes, they self investigated. Thank you. They didn't call in an outside force, and they would do all those like hours and hours and hours of investigation in order to get them to admit to it he also had his pastor in the room with him with the police officers convincing him that he didn't remember because satan made him do it and satan made him forget what then happens in that case they bring in someone named richard avshi who was at the time he was deeply involved with investigating and condemning cults and so the prosecution brought him in on their side Like the prosecutors really thought that this was going to be someone who would fight for them. So he was brought in as an expert witness on memory recall. He gets there and immediately sets to work. He starts interviewing the Ingrams, all of the Ingrams, as well as other people. He writes this report where he says, The conclusions that I have reached about these questions create for me a deep concern about the trial that is soon to start in Olympia. Okay. That's on the first page. So he's like, something ain't right. Something. Something don't feel right here (laughs) something's going on he then breaks down all of the reasons why he doesn't think that it's true and why he thinks that the ingram daughters are lying but he didn't say what that oh no lie was see what he says i'm not going to read them to you because there are too many but i mean he just basically he's like a voice of reason and common sense he comes in and says, how could you report watching numerous babies being killed, seeing the dead body of at least one adult woman and having undergone two backyard abortions, having to eat the flesh of fetuses? She's unable to provide him with an account of the format of the group's meetings or any of the group's non-homicidal rituals. She doesn't know where the bodies are. She lies. She changes her mm-hmm. stories. Nothing matches. He points out that Julie, the younger sister who is going along with everything Erica says, Mm -hmm. she only provides new information when Erica provides new information. Okay. So she's basically an echo chamber. It's exactly like the McMartin kids on trial. Exactly. When Michelle gets in there and talks about her time, now they also experienced that. Exactly. And so he, it's just refreshing to read. He says there are numerous other points that contribute to his judgment that Ms. Ingram is lying to a very substantial degree. The patterns of her accusations, the failure of her male siblings to confirm attendance, the failure of investigators to find a single piece of physical evidence. Sure, she's straight up cray cray. Yeah, and he, so again, he was hired by the courts. And he submitted this report that I'm holding in my hand. And the courts rejected it initially. The prosecutor, yeah, Tabor, I think his name was Greg or Gary Tabor, was the prosecutor. And he said no. And Richard Avshi fought it. Yeah. And he went to the judge, and the judge ordered the prosecutors to release it as part of the evidence. They were like, don't. Yes. The the guy that we hired to, to fuck with the, to make sure that. They were telling the truth, flip sides mm-hmm. completely. He Well, I mean, he did, went in there and did his job. Yeah. It's, it's sad that we say flip sides because what he did was he went in and was he like... told the truth. He told the truth. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There shouldn't be sides. <laughs> this is crazy. He does an experiment to Paul Ingram in which over a two-day period, Richard Avshi causes Ingram to recall events that he arbitrarily created. Mr. Ingram produced a written confession to acts of sexual abuse of his children in response to the influence methods Richard Avshi employed. 
Oh, okay. Yeah. So even he did it. And he did it intentionally. He says, the tactics I used were modeled on the sessions of Mr. Ingram having been with Reverend Broughton and resembled the interview procedure used in Mr. Ingram's police interrogations. So he recreated it and he got a similar Mm -hmm, false statement. Exactly. And then Paul wrote up a whole sheet confessing to all these things of she had made. And of she tells him, Hey, I lied. I made that up. You didn't do any of that. Yeah. And Paul Ingram's just like, mm, but maybe I did. <laughs> so the Church of the Living Waters. Yeah, it's fucked up. In the end, Paul Ingram pled guilty. Yep. And luckily, Avshi was able to make some sort of difference because the other people who were on trial, they they got off. But okay, because Paul good. Ingram pled guilty. Which, pro- I mean, it was stupid that you would plead guilty to that, but it proves what a like genuinely good person he is. Mm-hmm. It's like somebody called him out on this shit that didn't happen, but he's like, well, maybe in the weirdest, most sci-fi fantasy aspect, different parallel universe, maybe I did. Mm-hmm. There's a possibility. So All I'll right, go to jail. I guess. He's just, ugh. Yeah. And to then- be stuck in that predicament it's so sad and at one point the daughters produced this letter that they say that their father had written to them and it's exactly what we had talked about before with the retraction he says things like you're tearing this family apart you're killing your mother you're killing your father which is one of the steps on the cpt r x y z z z p p top but it turned out that julie had written that letter what a bitch yeah Ugh. it was julie who wrote that letter god julie so they were even playing into the retraction good god what just is wrong for attention with or whatever was going on richard Avshi he wraps up his report where he says the implications of my opinions should be clear to anyone who reads this report they are clear to me I fear that my conscience would trouble me greatly were I not to communicate these conclusions to you in the most forceful and direct manner. There is substantial danger that innocent people will be made to undergo a trial. And then he brings up a book about the Salem Rich Trials. And he says, at this juncture in your life, you too may find this book interesting reading. Nice. So I think he's the first one to parallel it. And he was like, drop the mic. Mm-hmm. He's like, oh, she out. Drop the mic, but bring me back for court because I will fight on your behalf. <laughs> oh, she out and then back in. <laughs> oh, she out for now. I'll be back. So I just, I think it's just sick to see how hard the courts decided to pursue something like this. But that is such a well-written document. It's like exactly what we're trying to say about every single case that we cover Mm -hmm. on here. And he was just like, here it is. Yeah, it's really interesting read. It's a couple pages long. I recommend it. It's called Court Document 11276. (laughs) No, it's called the Avshi Report on the Ingram case. You can just find it by Googling it. That's awesome. He really tucked that one into bed, mm-hmm. even though he still went to jail for he a still million went years. To jail, yeah, for it was what was it like fifteen to twenty years? I don't yeah. remember exactly anymore, but it was like too long, too much, too long. Any yeah. time was too long. But he's healthy and happy now. Yeah, I mean his family's totally pulled apart. Yeah. Oh. Anyway, thank you guys for joining us. Yeah, the McMartin is one, it's like the huge one. When you research the Satanic Panic, it's like 
the McMartin preschool case because yeah. it was so big and so expensive. And it really spanned during the exact time of the panic. Oh, and I was going to add the CII is still around. They're still functioning in L.A. as an abuse counseling service, but they are no longer allowed to dictate those interviews and they are no allo- no longer allowed to medically examine anyone. And the woman left. Key. And the key McFarlane is no longer there. Yeah. They had to let her Which, go. I mean, good. I Abuse counseling, great. We need that. But yeah. Oh, it's a good organization. They just... Misguided in that time. They were like, oh, something exciting. And they just... <laughs> something exciting. <laughs> Everybody can run. Grab your pitchforks and your puppets. Grab that dick puppet. <laughs> okay. All right. Next week, we're going to get into the groups that formed in retaliation to the satanic panic and where that leaves us now. Thanks for tuning in today, guys. You have interviews that will start off with a therapist asking a child whether they had ever played any naked games. At McMartin, this was a huge topic, was naked games. And the children initially say no. The therapist, though, didn't accept those answers. So then they repeat the question, and then they repeat it again. Visit us online at satanicpanicpodcast.com or follow us on Instagram at satanicpanicpodcast. Special thanks to Stephen S. for providing the artwork and Eric Z. for providing the equipment. Theme music to our show is provided by Free Music Archive, and the song is Night Owl by Broke for Free. Thanks for tuning in. Hail Satan. Hail Satan.